Hello and welcome to the Rick and Bubba Broadcast Plaza and Teleport. Now, those of you that are watching live, uh, a little a new setup this week, you're watching on Facebook. Uh, we are having some issues with the live streaming of YouTube. Now, others, you're watching the archive, and here it is on YouTube, so there was no need for me to mention that to you. But however you're here, we're glad that you are. You may also be listening on our podcast archive, uh, and uh, we welcome you however you're here. Welcome to all the men that are here in the room. I know we're uh, in that most wonderful time of year, and you're pulled in many different directions. You're trying to get in the last work here before the end of the year. Now, for the Wednesday Bible study, really the way it falls this year for vacation uh, it's going to fall pretty simple. Uh, we won't be here on Christmas Day, and we won't be here on New Year's Day. Uh, both of those fall on Wednesday, so that really will be the only two Wednesdays that we'll miss. Uh, so uh, we're not going to miss a whole lot of time uh, during the vacation this year. Now, uh, during those times, if you're traveling or uh, you want to go back and pick up some Bible studies that you missed, you can always go to BurgessMinistries.com, uh, click on uh, Listen, and you can find about three and a half years worth of Bible studies there. Uh, if you're looking for things and you like the video uh, that are more current, uh, then uh, the video ones will be more current, but they're on the YouTube channel. Just hit a playlist and you can see all of those there as well. Uh, so for right now, until we get this YouTube thing worked out, the live video streaming will be on the Rick and Bubba Facebook page, and that's um, uh, rickandbubba.com, and you'll see it there on the home page. Just click that, and you can be with us. Uh, going to open us up in a, in a word of prayer today. We're continuing in the Gospel of John. We're continuing in John chapter 8. Uh, Lord, thank you for today. We are excited uh, and ready to be convicted by the things that you're going to say to us today, Lord. I, I, I thank you for how clearly uh, you speak today. Uh, this, uh, this is not a, a difficult uh, lesson to understand today, but it is a very difficult uh, lesson to apply uh, because of our fallen state and how everything around us goes the opposite of you. Uh, may you continue to uh, draw us to you, uh, and may you continue, Lord, to bring us along uh, through the Holy Spirit, uh, your presence in our lives, to give us the conviction where we need it, the affirmation where we need some encouragement, uh, and give us that uh, supernatural peace in our times of trouble. Uh, we pray for those that can't be here today. Uh, we pray for those that are recovering from surgeries or those that, um, uh, that are dealing with family situations. Uh, Lord, anytime we get together in this fallen creation, there's, there's so many things that we're aware of, but there's many others that only you're aware of. And I pray, Lord, that you be with all of those who are hurting today, as you have said in your word, that you are always close to the brokenhearted. Uh, help us, Lord, today to be willing to let you speak into our lives. Uh, very clear, Lord, that um, none of us can grow if we do not uh, allow you to have uh, complete access to everything, uh, every, every part of our life. Uh, there's no room closed off to you. You see it all. And may we be ready, Lord, to, uh, to, to allow you to convict us today that maybe we'll be in the refinement process, some areas of our life that need to be looked at today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So this is it. You know, one of the things when you're studying uh, the Word of God, and it is wonderful uh, studying uh, God's revelation about Himself, uh, if you remember what we talked about last week, we, we now have Jesus, uh, and, and many think this is still uh, ongoing commentary when He's at the, the Feast of the Tabernacles. He's talked about uh, that He is the light of the world. And last, last week we talked about that this example of light was very well known uh, by the Jewish people. It was throughout uh, the, the Old Testament. They were very much aware of it. And this really was Jesus declaring again with another example that He and, and, and God the Father are equal and that He is now narrating the voice of God. Uh, and this, of course, 
um, drew some some backlash. But here's what's interesting about today, and I'm just going to tell you uh, openly uh, the many times that I've had someone teach me the book of John or I've been studying the book of John or I've read the book of John. Um, you know, some of this I'm very familiar with. When I get to our first verse today that gets us started, I totally miss this. I totally miss this. And, and, I, and I think it may be because it's in the black writing. And, I, and sometimes if you've got the black writing and the red writing, I'll jump to the red. And, I'll, and I'll, if, I, if I see a red next to, to the black, and for those of you that don't know this, if you're new to the faith, a lot of the, the prints of the Word of God, uh, they will put the actual words that Jesus said, not what the person who is chronicling, but they're saying this is exactly what he said, then those words sometimes will be in red. So if I see red words, I, I, I jump to those because I'm like, well, this is, this is going to be verbatim what Jesus said. And I missed a very important line that John wrote, and that's verse 31. If you remember when we left last week, even though he, he did get some pushback, verse 30 of last week, where we ended, said, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Remember us landing on that for a minute? That means there were people that said, I'm in. I, I think you are who you said you are. But look what 31 says. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. So this is not what he's about to say next. Now certainly those that are still wondering are going to hear this if they're still there. But this is once again one of the things that I know I miss a lot and I think that we need to to be sure that we fully understand that Jesus is talking in this particular uh, group of verses today to those who say we believe you are who you say you are. And look what Jesus does today. Instead of saying, that's great, let me coddle you and let me baby you, and uh, this is so good that you believe, and thank you for believing in me, as Jesus, if you look through Scripture, always does, you know what He's going to do? Let me tell you what that really means. Let me tell you what you're getting yourself into. And you know what He's also saying today? Are you sure about that? Are you sure you know what you mean as a matter of fact, what you're going to see today is Jesus Christ taking on something, and I was able to talk to one of the, the men in our Bible study who was talking about some of the things. You know, all of us are going through different things. And he said he had heard for the first time the term cultural Christian, uh, cultural Christianity. And he said it clicked in his mind because he looked at his life and said, I know I believe in Jesus, but there doesn't seem to be much evidence of any kind of transformation in my life. And he said, I'd never heard that term before, and that's exactly what I am. I realize that I've learned things about Jesus. I've been taught things about Jesus, but I certainly don't belong to Jesus. I'm, it's just part of my cultural experience living in this part of the world. And, and thankfully, we had some time of prayer and, and, and part of what's going on in here. But you know what, what had made him assess that was what Jesus was saying. Because what Jesus was saying last week was very cutting. It was very straightforward. Look, Jesus doesn't have to sell us that he loves us. We see how much he loves us because he went to the cross. But Jesus it also loves us enough to always tell us the truth. And I think that we've gotten to the point, this is not in every situation, where we've almost, the, the adversary has successfully done a marketing job against the church and against those of us that are followers of Jesus that, hey, it's really better if you just, there's certain things you just don't say. You know, there's certain areas you just, you just got to stay away from. But that's not what Jesus said. So here's an idea that I want to say today, and this, and this is really out there. Why don't we today say we'll do exactly what Jesus did? There, there was a time when, when that was a very popular saying. Remember that, what would Jesus do? Now, I do think it's probably better uh, if, we, if we took that phrase and really uh, made it truthful, what would Jesus have me do? 
because I don't know that any of us are ever going to hit, hit, the, hit the mark of Jesus, but what did Jesus tell his followers to do? And, and that's pretty clear. So let's listen to what he says next. I love it. And we could literally land right here and be done. We, we could spend the next 45 minutes on the very first thing that he says. So he says this, and, I, and, and if I do, then we'll pick the rest of it up next week. So, so Jesus says to the Jews who had believed in him. Please don't miss that. That's important, and I missed it for years. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. All right, so there's step one. If you truly believe in me, then you'll abide in my word. And we know now that all this was not complete, but what he's talking about, you're going to abide in the things that I say. And, and he says, I am the word, and the beginning was the word. So what I found interesting about that is the first thing, I don't know if you all have noticed this here in our country, uh, but, but guess, guess what's under attack right now? Oh, here it is, the word of God. It's completely under attack. You know why? Because the adversary knows if he can get us, even if we decide to stay within the faith, if we can come up with some kind of faith version that does not include the Word of God, he's fine with that. Because now we're just making it up as we go. You know, because I don't know about you, I have actually spoken to people who said, oh, no, no, I'm as much a Christian now. I may be a more Christian than you are because I've learned that this is not really the Word of God. You know, I've come up with a version of God that I think is probably a little kinder, more gentler. Because I don't know what could be more kinder and gentler than I offer redemption to everyone who wants it. You know what I mean? But anyway, so everybody's equal at the foot of the cross. I don't play favorites. You know what I mean? And so, um, but, but what they say is, well, you can't, really, you can't really depend on this. I mean, this was written by men and they had all these flawed ideas about everything. Is this really God-inspired? So I, I, think it's, I don't think it's just a coincidence that Jesus Christ says, the first thing you've got to do if you're going to be one of mine, you have to abide. Remember me telling you about this? I'm kind of taking you all on this journey with me. The Lord is taking me and He is hammering me with the word abide. In my language, the word abide, abide, I see it everywhere. I see it in the Word of God like I've never seen it before. You know what? You know why? You know what he's saying, Rick? Hey, this is not a casual relationship we have. If you really want to be one of mine, you got to abide in me. And you know what? You go to 1 John. You know, we had this at, at our home church, did a whole series on 1 John. John's talking about this over and over again where he keeps saying, those who abide in him really, they, they don't act the way the ones who don't. Those who abide in Jesus really don't go out and live in perpetual sin anymore. They really don't because they're abiding in Him. And if God's seed abides in you, meaning you have really got that relationship, you really don't act like the rest of the world, not because of how wonderful you are, what great self-control you have, or your commitment to a code of conduct. It's just that you truly are abiding in a power that completely transforms you. He does it. And he says, so if you really want to be mine, you're going to have to abide in my word. And I want to challenge you now. And everything I always say comes right here first. And I'm pointing at myself for those you who don't see. The biggest problem that I had early on is I didn't know the word of God. And listen, guys, you got to know it. You got to know it. And, and, and don't be like me. Don't come off this thing of, you know, I don't like to read or I don't have good study habits. Every one of those things came out of my mouth. And even when I first became a follower of Jesus, I would let my wife do the reading and then I would just kick back and let her tell me what it said. Because, you know, I don't read. I don't read a lot. You know, I hadn't read a book since where the red fern grows. And, uh, and, and sadly, that was, that was true. That was sadly true. I knew the story of the two hunt dogs, but I didn't know much else. But, but anyway, so, so what I found out, though, is 
bizarrely, that, that you know what? The great I am that can speak creation, just speak it. He actually can actually draw me to his word. And even a guy who didn't like to read and study is suddenly reading and studying. And you know why? Because I've been changed. And you know why? Because I find it to be, to be worthy of my time since it holds all the keys to eternity. And this is God's revelation about himself. It's big. And all these people say, well, these men somehow, just, they, just, they just got around God. They got in here. God couldn't, couldn't stop it. God could not get his word interpreted to us correctly, couldn't get it in our own language correctly. Uh, he could only do it, you know, even when he put it in your language, he only got it right one time. You know, anything else other than that's not right. Just, there's all kinds of, you've got to be suspect of how, how strong human beings are and how they can actually keep God from doing what he wants to do. You ever heard people say this? And I used to say it too, and I don't want to make fun. I just got to get out of God's way. Hey, <laughs> you can't stand in God's way. You know what I mean? I mean, it, 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 God will move you out of his way. It, God's not sitting there going, I don't know what I'm going to do if Burgess don't move. He's got me blocked. Burgess has got me blocked. He's, uh, he's keeping me from doing what I want to do. And I got news for you. God's going to do what he's going to do with or without you and me. This is something that he allows us to do. You know, it, God's will is not something you have to do. You can certainly rebel against it, but it's something that he'll allow you to do. You know, but he, he'll allow you to be part of it. He's going to get it done one way or the other because he's God. So Jesus, the first thing he says to people who say, we believe you are, he said, well, then you better abide my word. You better know the deal. So we need to take that and apply that to our lives and be careful on the attacks that are going on right now. The reason why there's an attack on the Word of God is the same reason why there's an attack, attack on males in this country is because what the adversary does, remember what I always said about the adversary? After the ad adversary, he's smart. Now, he's defeated, but he's smart. And what he realizes is kind of the, 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 the way I look at things is I want to be efficient with my time. I do not, if you, if you're, you want to find me just wandering around babbling like an idiot, it's if I felt like that I did not handle my time well. I am addicted to efficiency of time. That's why I just bought six Christmas gifts inside an hour. Because I saw I had an hour before this thing started and I knew that I, what am I going to do for an hour? I've already got the lesson ready. Ooh, I'm going to knock them gifts out. And when I knocked them out, it was a high. It felt fine. I got back. I said, I'm back. I'm back with 25 minutes to spare. Okay? Now, you know, but, but it's efficiency. So the adversary says, look, here's, if I just do these two things, if I destroy men, then I pretty much get society. Okay? Because the influence God gave them, it can't be replaced. And, and I'm going to have people confused, too, talking about genders don't really matter, and, and I'm going to make men feel bad for being men. And, and then I'm going to take masculinity, the ones who are willing to do it, and I'm going to corrupt masculinity, too. They're not going to get that right. And I'm going to take men and destroy them. And, hey, guys, there's only a third of us. There's two-thirds angels, you know, against a third. And I'm not omniscient. I'm not omnipresent. I'm not God. So i got some limitations on me. So let's be smart with our attacks. Let's do that. And here's the next thing we do. Attack the Word of God. Let's have them saying that there's really no way to truly know what God wants you to do or not do. And then that way people can say, I love God. I love people. I want to be forgiven. I'm a good person. Now, I'm in total conflict with what God says, but you know what? I can't depend on this. So I'm going to destroy men and tell everybody they can't depend on the Bible. You do that, you ain't got a lot of work left to do. It'll just take care of itself. So don't let it happen. Be smart. Realize that if you become a devout follower of Jesus Christ and you know the Word of God, you're going to be hard to handle. 
I love when we did the kingdom man study. When Tony Evans said, a true kingdom man, every day when he gets up and his feet hit the floor, the devil says, oh, no, he's up. <laughs> you know, and I, hey, quit, quit selling it so low. So, so we got to know the word of God. Next thing he says, and you will know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. So why did he say abide in, in, in my word first, and then he said, then you'll know the truth. Well, then where do we find the truth? In his word. And what does he mean by the truth? You know, you've heard this used before that, that this is supposed to be means don't tell lies. That's not what this is. Hey, it's, don't tell lies because that's sin. And, and as, as the Bible says, if you're a liar, then you speak like the devil speaks because that's all he does. I don't want to speak the devil's language. I did that long enough. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying if you want to understand who God is and to truly know me, you've got to abide in my word. And once you really know me, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So when you know this truth and you abide in this truth, then my truth, me, I will set you free. To know me is to be free. Hey, I don't care. There are people living all over the world right now. All over the world. And they're in bondage. They're under tyranny. They are not free like we are by worldly standards. But if they know Jesus, they're free. And they're free indeed. Now some of us live in a constitutional republic and we think we're free. But if you don't know Jesus, you're not free. You're in worse bondage than someone under tyranny that knows Jesus. You're not free. You're a slave. You're a slave to sin. You're a slave to your flesh. You're a slave to dishonesty. You're a slave to this world. And you can wave your red, red, white, and blue all you want to and sing, My country tis of thee. But if you don't know Jesus, you are not free. You are not free. That red, white, and blue is not going to mean anything on the day of judgment. What's going to be asked of when the freedom I afforded you in this country, what did you do with it to advance the kingdom? I gave you a lot of freedom to express who I am. You're not under the, the, the tyranny that, 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 that other churches were under. And, and hey, Church of the West, what did I get from that freedom that I allowed you? And if it doesn't say we advance the kingdom of God, it's not going to mean anything. It's not going to mean anything. So, so that's what he's talking about. So then, so he says to, now keep in mind how quick these, these new believers show that they're not really in on Him giving them any standards. Now that sounds familiar, doesn't it? I want to be saved by Jesus, but I want no standards. I want to take this grace that the Bible tells me over and over again not to abuse, and I want to say, I want to not go to hell. I want to believe in Jesus. I want Him to forgive me on the cross. I want Him to defeat eternal death when He comes out of the tomb. But now my day-to-day -day life, until I die, I don't want Him to bother me at all. Don't give me any standards. We're not going to talk about holiness. We're not going to talk about obedience. You know, keep in mind, another thing the adversary does because we don't know the word very good, he convinces you that obedience and legalism are the same thing. They're not. See, a lot of times you start talking about obedience and what will happen? <gasps> That's legalism. He's talking, about, he's talking about rules. He's talking about doing stuff. No, no, I'm just saying that Jesus said if we love him, we'll obey him, John 14, 15. And then, he, then when he tells us, now think about this, when he tells us to go out into the world, he says for us to make disciples. And what's one of the things he tells us to do? Teach them all that I have commanded you. Well, well how am I going to teach anybody what Jesus commanded me if I don't know what he commanded me or I don't think that's important? So what do, so what I do now? Nothing. So Jesus didn't tell you to tell me anything? Nah. He just wanted you to know what he did on the cross. Okay, well, that, that sounds good. So from here, what do I do? Nothing. There's no, no standard. 
Nothing I'm supposed to do. Nah. So this woman I'm living with, ah, Jesus, hey, he meets you where you are. Yeah, but he don't leave you there, does he? Huh? I'm in, a, I'm in a homosexual relationship. What's the Bible say about that? Don't worry about that. We, can't, we don't even know if that's really the word of God. Just, you know, let's, let's do what we want to do, but we still, Jesus is still going to forgive us. Now, you won't find that in Scripture, and we're going to get some more of that going on. So in 33, they say, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is this that you say we have to become free? Now, first of all, the first time I saw this, before I started looking at any commentary at all, even Rick Burgess from Calhoun County knows the Jews have been enslaved. A lot. So where, where are they getting off that they've never been enslaved to anyone? You're currently under the, the, the tyranny of Rome right now. What do you mean you've never been enslaved to anyone? So f- first of all, what they're saying is not historically accurate, but this is that arrogance again. What they're really saying is there's nothing you have to do for us because we belong to Abraham. But what Jesus is saying is, no, what I'm talking about, first of all, you have been slaves by the world, world standards. But what I'm talking about is anybody who not, not, is not going to be redeemed by me, you're enslaved to sin. You're under the slavery of sin. Yes, you are. All of you are. Jew, Gentile. And I'm here to rectify that. I'm here to free you. That's why I just said that the truth about me will set you free from the tyranny of sin. So why are there so many of us that claim that we've discovered Jesus, but we still live under the tyranny of sin? That shouldn't be. Not talking about stumbles, not talking about mistakes. I'm talking about tyranny, like I can't get out from under this sin. Can I tell you, you know what that's saying? That God is not strong enough, that sin is stronger than God. And can I tell you, that's not true. I have found that the things that I began to love more than Jesus... The reason why they were still there is that's why I loved it more than I loved Jesus. When I got to the point that I kept pursuing Jesus because he didn't hide from me, and he said, if you seek me, you'll find me. Come near to me, I'll come near to you. A prodigal son, if you'll just come over top of that hill, I'll run the rest of the way to you. When I have a sincere heart that I sincerely want Jesus, you know what? He then gives himself to me. He draws me to him. And you know what? Then I find that he is more wonderful than sin. You know how sin has left my life, the sins that have gone? They've gone because they were replaced by Jesus. He was better than that. And let me tell you this, He is. He is better than that. And He says, you're going to need me to be able to be set free from this. Jesus answered to them by them saying they'd never been enslaved. And He's dropping two trulies. Dropping two of them. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So He's clarifying. Here's what I'm talking about. Any of you that commit sin, you are a... a, a, a a slave to that sin. And, and he says that the, the, the thing that gets you, I saw this good, and uh, you know I've been telling you that D.A. Carson, I'm reading a lot of his commentary on, on John, you know, the part I can understand. But he, uh, and he talks about this. He said, he's saying this because, I, and this is true, if you've ever lived this, in your, lived this in your life, I thought this was great. He's not talking about them being slave to political powers. We've talked about that. But he says the practice of sin by any of us proves that we are a slave to sin, but also the practice of sin enslaves. Meaning, first of all, if you can't seem to get past the sin, it means it owns you. But he says, but here's the bad part of that. The more that you practice the sin, it then enslaves you that much more. The more you do it, the more it's got you. Anybody say amen to that? 
So he's saying you've got to be freed from this, and Jesus can actually free you from any sin that is in your life. So 35 through 36, so he's already clarified in 34 about them not being free. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So the son can't be, can never be anything other than the son of God. I mean, you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But Jesus also came to, to us and took on human flesh. Uh, so so when he, he allowed himself... Uh, to be a human being, and so he understands that a human being can be bought or sold. He said, but I'm also 100% God. I'm the Son of God, and the Son of God can never be bought or sold. See, I'm not like you. I have took on human flesh, but I'm also 100% God. And he says, let me tell you what will stand forever is the Son of God. The Son of God will never be in the house of slavery. Now, a human being might. A human being might be caught in that. He's laying out the difference of why we need him. And, and, and this is, this is the, the deal too, which everybody misses so, so much. They thought that their Jewishness exempted them from being spiritual slaves as well. Not, not just work. I don't know why they thought said they'd never been enslaved. They obviously had many times. But what they really said is, we're certainly not going to be spiritual slaves. You're certainly not going to lay that on us because we are Jewish. We are, we are Abraham's offspring. We are the seed of Abraham. And so what he's saying is, the freedom I'm offering you is not liberty to do anything that you please, but the liberty to do what we ought. I love that. Jesus doesn't free us and give us liberty to do anything we want to do. He actually does the opposite. He now frees you to actually be obedient. I went from thinking I was free to do whatever I want to. Jesus said, I'll make you free to do what you ought to do. Have you seen that in your life? I hope you have. It doesn't happen instantaneous. It, 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 it requires sanctification and pursuit. But that is, is, is powerful. And he says because this is, and he, this is what I've noticed too. See if you've got there yet. I hope you do. If you haven't, man, just keep pursuing Jesus. When you finally get to the point, I was making a joke a minute ago about how, you know, when you first become a follower of Jesus, just being transparent, there's a certain feeling of, well, what all can I not do now? especially if you've ever dealt with men's ministry. I don't know why. Are women as bad as that? <laughs> men are always, first thing they want to talk about is, this man, I can't sleep with my girlfriend anymore. I, I actually remember that one time. I, I had the opportunity to lead a young man to Christ at, at college one time, and he was a college student and an athlete. And he, he said, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, yeah. He goes, so what does this mean? I said, what do you mean? I said, it means you've been redeemed by Jesus Christ if you're sincere. And he goes, so no more sleeping with my girlfriend. And I said, well, no. No, that, that's a, but... Uh, and you can see him. He's sitting there. You know, we thought about it for a minute. Mm, I don't know about this. And so here's the difference. So when it starts out, tr- completely truthful, it can be a, kind of a begrudging spirit. I don't want to go to hell. But Jesus, it's almost like we know. It's almost like it's, it's, it's inherent in us that we know because of us being spiritual beings what's going to happen. But here's the beautiful part. But Jesus is saying, if you'll continue to be set free by me, you, com- you completely give yourself to me. And as I begin to sanctify you, you will get to a point where doing what pleases God will actually be what brings you peace. Not doing what pleases your, your, your flesh. That really will happen. You'll find yourself, like I was kidding about going to get those Christmas gifts done. Don't you find yourself sitting there when you're doing now what's right as opposed to what was wrong? That's what brings you peace now. And some, I had some ask me the other day going, 
What do you mean? I said, I'll tell you what I mean. I remember when I was living in sin, I might be satisfied my flesh in the moment. But when that moment was over, I was not at peace. Now, you know, you can't sleep good at night because you don't know who's after you. You don't know what you've done. Uh, you know, if the police shows up, we all go into jail. You know, somebody's going to find out. They're going to be mad. If my parents find out, they're going to be mad. I might lose my job. Doesn't that sound peaceful? But when you're under the authority of Christ and you're being obedient, why? Because you love Him, not through legalism. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. You almost look at, I almost get the sense sometimes like I did with my daddy or my mama. Look, I'm doing good. Hey, I'm in sync with you. I'm doing what you, would, you, what you say I should do. You know what that means? Remember what I said all the time about this? When do you know that your children really love you if you have children? When they do what you say. And, and, and when they're given the choice not to. And when, when, if the minute they get out from under your authority and they start doing whatever they want, I hate to break this to you because it is heartbreaking, they didn't love you enough to do it. And it hurts. It hurts as a parent. You think it hurts God and we do the same thing? Because you know what he's saying is, so you don't believe that my way's better. You still believe that flesh and that sin is better than me. Think how offensive that is. And so Jesus is, is taking this on. And so then he goes on uh, in verse 37. So look at 37. I'll try to pick up the tempo. I told you it was, it's front-end loaded. I know that you are uh, offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. They believe in Jesus, and this is it again. This is a running theme. And listen, it's going on in our society right now and not just outside the church. Let me tell you what he's saying to them. I know who you are. You think I don't know that you're the seed of Abraham? But yet, what I'm saying to you is making you angry. And you seek to kill me. You know why? Because I won't be what you want me to be. Now let me tell you, that's rampant right now. I see a lot of people ordering Jesus around and they're going to make him be what they want him to be. And, and so we've been talking about this. You know, Jesus is covering this a lot in the Gospel of John. And you'll see this over and over again. I am who I am, and I'm not going to apologize for who I am. And here's what I'm going to do for you, but here's who you should be in me. And you know what? I'm not going to allow you to make me what you want me to be. We want you to overthrow the Romans. No, that's, that's not what I'm here to do. We want you to be Messiah for just us. No. No, no, I'm, I'm here. Hey, the prophet's been talking about this. I'm going to be a light to the Gentiles. Well, we don't like that. We don't want the Gentiles pulled in. That's not what we want. And if you look around, you'll see a lot of people who go to church a lot of times, and they're going to do things the way they want to do it, and God better get in line. You're not going to tell me that, that uh, you, have, you have only one version of marriage that you approve. I'm going to march right in here. You know what? I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to get up in the pulpit and I'm going to tell people that, you, that uh, you, your standard for male and female doesn't exist anymore, that they're misinterpreting Genesis 2. Not sure how we did. But see, they'll say little things like the devil says. Adrian Rogers always said, and look, protect your children. Protect your children and protect yourself. He said, whenever you're looking for the devil, don't you ever fail to look to the pulpit. I, I mean, I, I've been through this. And when I was dealing with this issue, I was told, well, my pastor said that God said in Genesis 2 that, he, that God didn't desire that anyone would be alone. 
Now, those of you in here that know the Word of God, you know it doesn't say that. It says it's not good that man is alone, a male. And he had not created the, the, a helper fit for him, which means anything he created to that point didn't make it. And that would include animals and plants and, and, and a male. Could he, could he have at that time says he needs a companion, I'm going to make another male? He could have. And I don't want to be flippant or funny about that. That's really serious. What he said was, I will now make the helper that is fit for man, and he made woman. And then throughout Scripture, you've heard me say this a lot, and this is the best way i found to defend it, you can't find another place in Scripture where the standard ever changes. Jesus himself, as my father made them male and female, a man will leave his family and cling to his wife, and the two will become one. He's talking about divorce. He's talking about husbands. He's talking about wives. Paul comes on the scene. Let's talk about marriage. Here's what a husband does. Here's what a wife does. Peter comes on the scene. I want to talk about marriage. Here's what, a, here's what wives do. Here's what husbands should and shouldn't do. Then we get to the revelation, and here comes the bridegroom for his bride. So, so God's standard for marriage never changes. But there's churches where people will get up in the pulpit and they'll say, oh, yes, it has. Now, where they say that came from, from what I've gathered, they tamper with Scripture. But you know what else they do? They just make it up. It's just what they prefer. That's the way they think God should be. But see, the foolish thing about that, whatever God's standard is, it's better. We've never come up with a version of things better than the version God came up with. Every time we do that, it's, it's usually a big, big, huge mistake. And Jesus is saying, I hate to break this to you, this is Jesus, some people's favorite hippie. This is Jesus saying, the truth is what sets you free. And where's the truth found? It's found in my word. What should we do? You should abide in that. So we can't tell you who we want you to be. No, I've already told you who I am. And that's the standard. Is it grace? Absolutely. Is it by faith through grace? 100%. But that faith is a faith in action. And we've talked about this. And you can't say, I have faith in Jesus, then you don't abide in who he is. Then that would be a fake faith. Remember what we said before? Noah showed his faith by what? Saying he believed that the flood was coming and he believed he should build the ark? No, by building it. So what if Noah said, I have all the faith in the world in God. My family is going to be set apart. I'm a great man of faith. I'm not into building this ship. I think that's unreasonable. I'm not going to build this ark. Uh, I acknowledge that God said it. Maybe. Did he really say build the ark? I mean, who is God? Is God really going to judge me if I don't build an ark? He's already said my family has lived the way that he wants us to live. I prefer a God that doesn't require me to build the ark. Not going to do it. Where do you think Noah would be now? Do you think that's faith? No. If Abraham said, I hear you talking to me about I need to go, I acknowledge that. But God, honestly, if you're going to be a God that tells me to go, I'd rather you not be that way, so I'm going to worship you as a God who tells me not to go. Well, that's exactly what we're doing. This, this is everywhere. That's no different than the other examples that I've given you. So that's why Jesus said, you've got to know the truth, and then the truth, which is me, will set you free. So he acknowledges that they say who they are, but he says, I'm not going to be who you want me to be. Look at 38. And he doubles down on this. He goes, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. You know, he's kind of saying, I think I kind of know better than you do. He's saying, he, he said, you're delusional about your state. Now, look, we're all delusional to some degree. Some of us more delusional than others. Uh, but we're all delusional, which is why you need accountability, because you see me in a way I don't see myself. Hey, that came across as arrogant. Really? 
I didn't think it did. Well, right, but you're wrong. It, it did. So you need to correct that. And what he's saying is you're delusional about your state. Look, I know the Father, and, and, and he's preparing to tell, he wanted to tell all them that, that they actually oppose him as the truth. And how about this? The Father that they're talking about when he says, you, you hear from your Father, here's where it's about to get real ugly. Here's what he's saying, and he says this to us too. If you think you know the Father while you reject me, then you got the wrong Father. And guess who he's about to tell them their Father is if they reject him? It's not popular. He's actually going to talk about sin. <laughs> he's actually going to talk about the devil. He's saying, if you claim that, look, look I know, I, me and the Father, and I, the Father and I are one. I've seen the Father. Everything I'm telling you comes from the Father. So if you reject me, you may be hearing from a father, but it's not, it's not the father I, that I serve. And then it gets ugly. This is, I always say this all the time. People say, well, Rick, you know, Jesus was always very nice, very kind. He never argued with people. He never, he, never, he never spoke in such a harsh way. Can I tell you, when you tell people that their father is the devil, that, that is not a pleasant comment. That is not a, at the risk of offending you. I tell you, your father is. Your father is the devil. Can you imagine? Can you imagine talking to somebody? And they said, "Well, what do you think about the state of my life? I, I do this and I do that, but I, I believe that I believe in the same God you believe. I tell you, you believe in you believe in the devil. That's who's running you. What would happen at that lunch? Hmm? Rick's very mean. He's he said that I'm living like I belong to the devil. Well, Jesus does the same thing. Here's what he says. I'll tell you one time. One time, the devil was my father. And somebody had to point it out for me. And I'm glad they did. So here's what he said. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, then you would be doing the works, the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You know what he's saying? We're, hey, we're Abraham's children. You know what Jesus is saying? Doesn't look like it. You're not acting like him. And he'll go on to say, Abraham looked forward to my day. Have you ever had that before? Hey, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. It don't look like it. That's exactly what somebody said to me. And they, they were 100% right. So Jesus says that, that, you know, they think that he's talking about Abraham. And, and, and you know, they think he's talking biology, but he's not. He's talking about spiritual. And they say that due to their pedigree, they measure up to the required standard of God just because of who they are. Our pedigree gets us in. But they didn't seem to have the heart of Abraham concerning Jesus. And that's what he's saying. And if that's the case, then Jesus says, your real father is the devil. And, uh, and let me tell you something. If you want people to get upset with you, and especially in this case, Jewish people. Do you know what Jesus is saying here? You're illegitimate children. Abraham wouldn't claim y'all. If, if you think you're still his children, well, then you're illegitimate children of Abraham. And there's a very unkind word for that. Bottom line, look at 42. The bottom, the bottom line is this. They first said, we're, we're not born of sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. Jesus said to them, if you 
If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. So he says, y'all can holler Abraham all you want to. If you reject me, then you reject God. If you regret, re, reject God, you reject Abraham. And if you don't love and embrace me, you do not know the Father, period. So you, you, your father's the devil. I, I think Jesus is saying here, you're either for me or against me. You're not going to find some middle ground in here. And, you know, he's really trying to say, guys, if you really are who you claim you are, why are you not embracing me right now? You've been told about me quite often. And Abraham looked forward to this day, and now you reject me. And that's the reason why they said they were not born of sexual immorality, because they're taking on, they're, they're putting together in their minds, wait a minute, you're saying we're illegitimate. We're not the product of sexual immorality. So they keep thinking, they keep trying to look at this, not spiritually, but from a biological, worldly standpoint. They're trying to, they're trying to, to use that, and they don't even understand what Jesus is saying. And he keeps trying to make the point, look at 43. Why do you not understand what I say? You ever been there? Hey, can, can y'all not get this? What's the theme? You want me to nutshell what I'm saying? If you've rejected me, you've rejected the Father. If you rejected me, you're illegitimate children of Abraham because Abraham didn't reject me. He looked forward to my day. You have not been paying attention. So here's what he says again. It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Ooh. Mm. They don't believe him because their sin nature would not allow them to hear. It's not because Jesus cannot communicate clearly. You know what I would say? They heard him loud and clear. They just rejected. You ever been there? You know, a lot of times the rejection of, of the truth isn't because the truth is hard to understand. It's because it's hard to, to, to receive. I don't want to receive it. I reject it. And I've been there. How many of you in this room, you don't have to raise your hands, it's just us thinking or watching or listening, and where we were raised. Some of you may have a, a different testimony, but most of us are from this region. Can we honestly say that we didn't understand the gospel? Can we honestly say that nobody in our life ever laid this out for us? We, didn't, we weren't familiar with, with the Bible, we weren't familiar with the gospel, this Jesus person. Were we really raised in an unreached people region? The gospel hadn't got to Oxford, Alabama yet. It just hadn't got there. We could go to Oxford, Alabama today, and we would get tired of seeing churches. Okay? You know, I, at, at our school, every single person just about went to some sort of organized church. People would come in. We, pray, we gave the gospel through the speaker every morning. Like, no, students stand by, let's stand by for the morning devotion. And somebody would come on and they'd read verses of the day and we'd pray at the government school. <laughs> that really happened. I heard the gospel at school. My teacher would talk about Jesus on Easter. Students, put your books up, let's talk about Easter for a minute. And she gets up and read the Easter story. So was I unreached people? I just didn't, I didn't. No, I heard the gospel, I just rejected it. Or... Let me make a version of that that gets me in heaven somehow, but it doesn't really impact me acting differently than everybody else. And I'll pick a few things I'll try not to do, but let's not, not top to bottom. And um, 
So he's saying the same thing. This is not because y'all don't understand what I'm saying. You're just rejecting what I'm saying. So look at 44. You, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. That doesn't sound. The way you act, your father must be the devil. Why do you think our father's the devil? Because of the way you act. Remember what we said, what's that life truth? We may not always live out what we profess. I can say one thing and do another. But everybody lives out what they really believe. So if Jesus looks at your life and my life today... Would he, what would he say? Would, how would he assess it? The way we live, do we live in a way that says, you can tell that this person believes I am who I say I am? Or do we live in a way that he says, the reason why I don't think you're with me is because of the way you live. There's no evidence of it. That's always the truth about us, by the way, what we actually do and live. I think everybody ought to go to church. Do you? Do you go? No. <laughs> But I say, well, then you don't really believe that, right? Oh, I, think, I, think church, I think every family needs to be in church. Is your family in church? No, it's not. So you, then is that just what you thought you were supposed to say? Because you certainly don't believe it because you don't do it. Tell what I need to do. I need to take what I've been given. I need to use it to advance the gospel. So is that what you do? No, but certainly what I like to say. Because it's certainly, I think it's true. Well, you must not really believe it because you don't do it. I told you that example. And it's just, it could be, and look, I've been this guy, so I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. I've been this guy. I just don't going to be this guy anymore. And uh, I was having a conversation about mission trips. And this is not legalism. You do what God calls you to do. We all play a role in the kingdom. There's plenty of work to be done here. But you better do what God tells you to do, and that includes all of it. And this person was saying that. We, our family was going on a mission trip, and there was some discussion about whether their children were going or being part of it. They had an opportunity to be part of it. And guy says, well, I told my kids, we don't have to go to the other end of the earth to reach people for Jesus. We can do it right here across the highway. I said, you are 100% right. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, all equal. So tell me what you did. Is that what you did? You hear that silence? Did y'all hear crickets? So what was your strategy? Did your kids go do a door-to-door? Did y'all have a block party in the apartment complex? Did y'all have tracks? So what did you do to reach the people across the highway? Because you're right. Nothing. Hey, nothing. So what the person said... It's not what they really believe. Why do I know it's not what they really believe? Because they didn't do it. Right? They didn't do it. That was, that was a pivot. Not everybody's called to every place. But this situation wasn't that. It was a pivot. I don't want to just say I don't, I'm not interested in the advancement of the gospel. I'm going to let you know that I'm just not interested in that, but I'm doing something else. I pivot. But you didn't. 
So it wasn't a pivot. I have no problem with somebody saying, this is where I'm going to devote my time. This is what I feel called to. Hallelujah. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. You just don't want us all in the same place. But it, it all matters, though. Let me tell you what Jesus will never call you to. For those of you who are new to the class, we've covered this before. One call that is never, and that's to do nothing. That's not a call. You can't say, let me tell you why I'm doing nothing. I think that's what God called me to. That's not a call. Okay? That, that one doesn't exist. There's a lot of individual calls, but to do nothing is not on the list. Lord, I've prayed about it. Tell you the one I'm picking over here. I'm going to go on that call that you've been doing, of course, since the beginning of time, since the fall of all mankind, the famous call to do nothing. <laughs> Following on all the heroes of the Bible, I will now do nothing. Uh, that one does not exist. Um, it's sometimes prevalent, but it does not exist. So Jesus is taking this on, and he's saying, look, he's been a murderer from the beginning. Why is he saying that? This is, this, this, we're getting a little deep here, but it's, just, it's, it's good to know. He's talking about Adam and Eve. You do realize we weren't, you know, just like last week, and I know I, we had several funerals last week. You know, one of the things that you always see when it comes to earthly death, and, and I love when Sherry says this to people who are hurting, especially with children, it won't always be like this. Jesus redeemed all this. This is not how it was supposed to be. But when you're sitting there and you watch somebody wither away and die, or you, gotta, you, got, you, you see somebody die maybe at a very young age. You know the thing that is always really, really, and we've been there. You always have the sense of this is not what it's supposed to be. And that's what Jesus is saying. He murdered from the very beginning. He brought death to the garden. So those of you that have this murdering spirit, that's the spirit. And how about this? He lies. So if you lie, and this is all throughout Scripture, and we were doing the, the How to Be a Man devotionals, so that, the eight characteristics. When I hit on the one of integrity, Andy and I both, man, I was shocked because I used to lie. I used to be so cavalier about lying. You know what the Bible says lying is? The character of Satan. You speak in his language. That's his character. So if you're a liar, you have the character of Satan. I spent a lot of time in my life with the character of Satan, and I'm very ashamed of that. But praise the Lord for redemption. Lying, lying isn't just, just bad because it's used to deceive. It is also bad because you lose the ability to hold the truth. That's D.A. Carson. You lose the ability to hold the truth. You start lying so much. Have you ever been there? I remember the first time I realized when I lied about something that didn't matter. Why did I lie about that? You know, I, I remember one time, um, I mean, you lose the ability. It's almost like the truth. You don't, you don't have no interest in it anymore. You know, why did you lie about that didn't even make sense. I remember a man told me one time when I was a liar, he goes, let me tell you something, son. I understand a man lying to save his job or save his marriage, but I don't understand just lying for no reason. You know, you shouldn't do it anyway, but he's saying at least, at least I can see you're in trouble. I mean, why did you lie about that? Why did, why did you tell us that, you know, you, you, you drove the truck when you didn't drive it? Why are you even making that up? I don't know. I just, I guess I just wanted to think I drove the truck. I mean, so you, you lose the ability to be able to hold on to the truth. Children of God rejoice at the truth. Children of the devil are not able to accept the truth. They're precisely, you know, and I love this, D.A. Carson says this, the reason why the children of the devil, we're back at 1 John again, when he says, here's the children of the devil, here's the children of God. He says, the reason why the children of, of the devil are not able to accept the truth, this is good, this is deep, but I didn't come up with it. 
He said, I'll tell you why they can't accept it, precisely because it is the truth. Think about that. Let that, let that sit a minute. The fact that it is the truth is why they don't want anything to do with it. They don't like the truth. They don't want to be told the truth. They reject the truth. That's why they're children of the devil. And Jesus is pointing this out. All right, I'm going to be good on the time. Hang on just a minute. And I'm getting to the big shut up juice coming up as if he hasn't already delivered enough. <laughs> Which one of you convicts me of sin? You know what he's saying? So y'all say that I'm not who I say I am. What, what you got? What can you point to that I have done that is actual sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you're not of God. You know why you can't hear this? You know why you're rejecting this? You don't belong to God. How many of you remember that wonderful supernatural experience when you truly were redeemed and God's presence came into your life and all of a sudden you're hearing things from God you've never heard before? You know why I didn't hear them before? I didn't want to hear them. I will say one thing, and there's very few things that I can pull out of my past life of darkness, but there was one thing that I guess was inherent in me. I didn't go to church in my dark years. You know why? Because I knew what they were going to say. And I really thought, walk up in the church knowing that you don't want to be there, people shouldn't do that. Now, that might have been stupid because I might have come under conviction, but I, I was never one of these people that would come in from the rebel rouse and then go to church on Sunday. I was consistent with my sin. And, uh, and I was consistently a sinner. And so what I would do is I was like, I'm not going to church because I'm not going to put that show on. I know what they say. I know what they're going to say. My meemaw's been saying it my whole life. I know what's said there. I heard it as a child. I know exactly what they're going to say. And I was saying to God, I know who you are. I'm turning the sound off. I don't want to hear from you. Now look, don't send me to hell, but I don't want to hear from you right now. And maybe I'll work this out before I die, but if I do, are we good? Because I believed in you. Never, you realize there was never a time in my life I didn't believe in Jesus. That's what's shocking. I just didn't fear him. So I had no wisdom. <laughs> I had no wisdom because I didn't fear God. I really thought that everything I was doing would be all right until it, of course, as we said, it enslaves you, which it did. So Jesus, the Jews answered him in 48, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Now, they're always going to play the Samaritan card when they get mad at people. This was the ultimate dig. Because you know what they're saying? No, no, we're not illegitimate. You are. You're not a pure Jew. You wouldn't be talking like something's happened, and so you must be a Samaritan. You know, they hated the Samaritans. And, and the Samaritans, keep in mind, this part I never picked up before, they're also saying you wouldn't talk to this any other way other than being a Samaritan. Because Samaritans didn't like them either. So they're, they're not just trying to dig at him. They're really saying, you couldn't be talking to us this way if you really were one of us. And so they're saying, and, 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 and since that, because the Samaritans were always saying, y'all not who you say you are. It's not just y'all. And, uh, and, and he says, so you must have a demon. So Jesus says, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Two trulies again. When Jesus says truly, you better listen. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Well, there's one of those ifs. Have y'all seen how many ifs there are in here? Boy, if it's a little word, isn't it? But boy, it's big. If you do this, this will happen. And here he goes again. And what is Jesus with all this obedience? Jesus says again, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. 
Now this is going to lead to the, the, big, the big statement that they just lose their minds over. Don't forget at the beginning in verse 31, so Jesus said this to the Jews who had believed in Him. Don't miss this. I always had that wrong. I thought He's talking to people that were still against Him. No, they had claimed we're in. He goes, are you in? Well, let's, let's see. And of course it's not going to end very well. So he says, then they say, are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Well, you mean you're not going to, they're not going to taste death. Abraham died and the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? What do you mean you can make it where people don't taste death? Some of the most godly people we know died. And you're saying that you have the ability for them not to taste death? He said they're incorrect about assumptions. I'm simply being obedient to the Father. I say what He says. Your issue, if your issue is with me, your issue is with Him. That's in 49 and 50. If I truly seek to honor the Father, it can't be about bringing glory to me. Always watch for that. Oh, I'm running out of time. Let me give you a tidbit from my wife. And I don't want to be this man. And I want you all to call me out if I am because I do struggle with pride and I do struggle with arrogance. I do. I think most men do, but I really do. But my wife will say this, don't ever trust a man who doesn't have humility. If you ever have people coming into our lives trying to come into ministry with us and they lack humility and they, they're always wanting to bring glory to themselves, they want their name to be known, they want to know where their name is, where's my name going to be? But stay away from those people. And Jesus is saying the same thing. I'm just trying to bring glory to the Father. I'm not even trying to bring glory to myself. 51, I'm only doing this so that you can be redeemed. He's even saying in 51, look, I'm doing this so that you can never taste death. He's saying to them. He's not trying to say that everybody. He's saying if you will believe in me, if you will, will, will keep my word, you will never taste death. And they said, who are you? Jesus said in 54, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say He is our God. You say He's your God. Look, but you have not known Him. I know Him. If I were to say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him, and I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, and he was glad. Again, you're not acting like Abraham. You're not acting like Abraham. Abraham rejoiced because of the foreknowledge of the messianic age and the foreknowledge of me, the day of the Lord. Jesus is now saying to them, y'all understand that? Which they probably did. He said, talking about me. This is a big moment. If this is true, this is where it gets ugly in 57. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And, and how have you seen Abraham? Because listen to what they know right now. If this is true, everything that they've been arguing is false. So they went, with, went, went to Jesus claiming that it would be impossible for him to biologically and naturally to be a friend of Abraham's. This is not possible. Are you, what are you, 30-something? You're not even 50 years old. And you say that you're a contemporary of Abraham? So listen to this. And here comes a big, I tell you the truth. We're almost done. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, and here it comes. Everything changes. His membership of the church is about to drop substantially. Okay? And Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. 
And now, <laughs> I tell you the truth, before Abraham I am. Write these down. Isaiah 41, 4. I'm running out of time, but you can go look at yourself. Isaiah 43, 13. Psalms 90, verse 2. Before Abraham, I am. And you'll see the prophets talking about Jesus. And so let's, let's look at verse 59 and verse 31. What does 31 say? So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. Let's look up at 30. And he was saying these things. Many believed in him. Let's look at 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him. We've come a long way from verse 31 and verse, and, and verse 30. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Just for interest, some of the commentary says this might have been a supernatural vanish, or he just, however, he, 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 you, you, you're not going to stone me or kill me until I allow you to. And this is not the time, and he slipped away. Why did they want to throw the stones at him? Because what he said in their mind was blasphemy. This, 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 is, this is really all they needed now to start the charge against him. He claims he was here before Abraham. He really is claiming he's God. Big takeaways for me today, and we'll, we'll leave you on this, is that Jesus was very straightforward, and Jesus did not coddle believers. He always told them the truth about what we were getting into and what was not required for salvation, but what salvation should look like that there really should be a, a change. And he said over and over again, if you abide in my word, then the truth will set you free because you'll know the truth. If you obey me, then you will never taste death. These are really big ifs. And let's assess ourselves today. If we were these new believers, keep in mind, believing undoubtedly was not enough, believing that historically maybe this guy's right. He says, here's what belief really looks like. This is what faith really looks like. And when they heard that, they picked up rocks to throw at Jesus. What are the things in your life and in mine that we keep picking up rocks and saying, Jesus, I don't want to hear that? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today. May everything about us be assessed by you. May you refine us, convict us, and change us. I pray, Lord, for any of those today that may be assessing their relationship with you, that all of us leave here taking the next step, even those of us that have already been redeemed. We just took another step today in our sanctification and maturation. And for those that are still, those that are still seeking you, Lord, hopefully today, even though it was a, a hard lesson, maybe that's what it took for them to awake. If anyone within the sound of this Bible study desires to know Jesus better or has any questions, you can reach out to me, rick at rickandbubba.com. But Lord, you draw them to you and you redeem them. Just confess your sins and repent and say, Lord, I submit to your authority. I repent of my sins. I believe you are who you say you are. Now you teach me what it looks like to follow you. If you're sincere in your heart and you truly want to repent and you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and you place him in authority over your life, the Bible says he will change you. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen, guys. One more next week, and then we'll, we'll take uh, two Wednesdays off, and then we'll be back after the new year. Hey, this is Rick, and that concludes this week's Bible study. Thank you so much for being with us. If you'd like to go back and hear other Bible studies or maybe some that you've missed even in this series, you can find them by clicking the media button at BurgessMinistries.com.